How many love Jesus? Can I get a hallelujah? Welcome to Metro Praise International. We're so happy that you're here. Open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, please. I want to share with you some of the things in our heart to why, as a church, we made a decision to go to a family-integrated service. If you're new with us, we're glad that you're here and you can join with us today, and it will never be different for you. What we are doing now moving forward is basically inviting all of our children to come into the main service and no longer having a separate children's ministry in the back. What you'll hear today is the reasons of why we're doing that. We really love our children. We're a a church that uh, just goes over and and above and beyond for our kids. We have a lot of families in this church. But one of the things that we noticed was that the parents wanted the children with them, starting with my wife and I and others. And we began to realize that putting our children into a different environment than where we are as adults or young adults learning doesn't give them the best opportunity to learn the Bible with us. And so I was, like you, most of you here, brought up in a church where children's ministry was separate. But that's not the way Jesus did it. That's not the way the apostles did it, and that's not the way the majority of church history did it. Now, does this mean that we're going to stop having our special life groups for children and teenagers? Absolutely not. Wednesday night, they had 85, 60 children and 25 workers. We're going to keep doing that on Wednesdays. That is our King's Kids program, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts for Jesus. The Royal Rangers had their camping trip with the boys. We took 17 out camping. Let's give it up for those young men going out. It's amazing. It's amazing. Some of them come from homes even without fathers. We've adopted them into the church. Their parents gave us permission. They got to do things they never would have done. It was amazing. The church is going to continue doing those things. The youth group on Friday, Elevate. Come on, a lot of you guys here and all of your life groups. But this is what we want to ask you to do. We want to ask you one day a week on the Lord's Day to come with your family and sit together, to worship together, to pray together, and to consider this your act of worship. So what's cool is that we're actually going through the book of Ephesians verse by verse. We've been doing it ever since 2017. So what I'm going to do to make this transition in our church is go to a previous passage we've already gone over and discuss perfecting the saints for the work of service or the work of ministry. Everybody say perfecting the saints for the work of ministry. Thank you. Let's look at Ephesians 4.11, and we'll read the bold part together. So let's just read 11 and 12 together. One, two, three. And he gave some to be, oh, excuse me, I messed it up. Let's start again. Verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Thank you. When we look to this passage, we see that when Jesus ascended to heaven, he gave gifts by the Holy Spirit to the church. These are the five ministry gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Apostles are those that are gifted in starting churches. Prophets are those who hear on behalf of God and speak to the people. Evangelists are those who win souls. The pastors are the ones who shepherd, and the teachers are the ones who teach. These are the gifts that I believe are available to all of the church in some format or another. But the two offices of the church are spoken about by Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 3, and those are elders and deacons. Somebody say elders and deacons. 
Thank you. So how do apostles get appointed to be apostles? They must be an elder or a deacon. How do teachers get to teach? They must be an elder or a deacon. How do prophets get recognized in their gift? They must be an elder or a deacon. So in our church, we believe in what is called the five-fold ministry gifts. And we give the devil a knockout punch with them. The apostle, prophet, evangelist, uh, pastor, and teacher, that's the five-fold ministry gift. But we believe that those gifts are only operated fully in the office of elder and deacon. So you may culturally say, Joe, you're a pastor. Yeah, but there's a lot of pastors in here. You may point to a person that travels and does evangelism and say, he's an evangelist. Yeah, but there's a lot of evangelists. What we are, though, in the local church are elders and deacons. So I'm an elder, and I serve with elders, and there's deacons that are here. And once again, what do elders and deacons do? They do these five things. Not all of them, not all at the same time, but they use their gifts by the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit given to them to do this. Now, why do they do this? They do this so that the church can be equipped for the work of ministry. So I have a job to give you a job. Do you get that? I work so that you can work, and it's so that the body of Christ may be built up. Now, look at verse 13 as I continue to read, till we all come to unity of the faith. Everybody say all. How many people are included in all? How many? All. A-L-L means all. What do you think all means in the Greek? It means all. That's right. Are children a part of all? Yes. So if it's our job as a church to raise up all to be in the unity of the faith, does that include children? Yes, now let me ask you something. Do you go to the elementary school with your children, sit in the class, listen to the teacher? No. When they go to practice, do you play on a sport team? Do you play on that team, get on the field, catch balls, throw it with them? No. When they go to do the things in life, as they go to college, you're going to share a dorm with them? No. This is your chance. Everybody look up at me, please. We as a church love families. I have five children. My wife is pregnant with our six. This is your one chance every week for the rest of your life to be where your children are. So why should we take the opportunity to put them in another room? We've all done it. I've done it. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those who do. Trust me, I'm not pushing this to an extent where it makes everything so extreme. I'm just saying for us who have been noticing it over the years, we've done integrated services for Easter and Christmas and different things. I loved it so much that I've wanted it all the time. And I just realized, like, I I felt like, oh, people are not going to want this. But I began to realize that more and more parents did. And so what we want to say is if it's awkward for you, it's okay. I want to first, listen to me, everybody here. I want to first apologize on behalf of elders or pastors who stand in pulpits like this who have ever, ever made you feel that your children do not belong here. I don't care if your child is the wildest child there is. Your child belongs here. I I don't care if you have to pinch them every now and then, talk to them. Uh, The back room is still available for them. If you don't know where it's at, we'll show you where it's at. If you have to breastfeed or or hand out a discipline or do something, you know, both of our bathrooms have child-changing trays and all of this. But listen to me. I am sorry if you have ever felt from a church perspective that it's wrong for you to hold a child to grab a hold of them and learn Jesus' principles with them. And at the same time, listen, listen, I want to apologize to you if as your pastor, I've ever made you think you can't be close to God unless you're away from your children. Would you please bring up my three youngest, uh, Joy, 
Zoe and, and, and Lucas here. I'm going to demonstrate. Adam, would you come back to the guitar, please? I want to demonstrate this right here. I have five children. I'm just bringing up my three youngest. Look at Lucas carrying the youngest there. Come on, boy. Okay, thank you. Okay. You want to see what it's like to worship God with young children? Okay, here's a one-year-old. I'm sorry, some of you can't see this right. Would you move my tray a little bit back so these guys can see, please? Thank you. Any one of the brothers. One-year-old, four-year-old, six-year-old. Just, any, just a, any song you know that's easy for me to sing with you. <laughs> Never been. Here's how I worship with kids. Sir to heaven, then I am. See, Jesus loves you. Let's give it up for Jesus. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Did, did anything change because my children came on the stage? Did anything change because I'm holding a child? No. Now, now listen, I know a lot of us are Western-minded, and we think that if we're doing this, we're, we're not really participating in something. That's a lie. That's a lie. If, if you're not good at doing this with a, ch a child doing a twirl, we want to help you. If you're a parent, no, listen, if you're a parent and you don't count them in the all here, we want to help you. And maybe, and just maybe, you're a young adult or a teenager and saying, oh, that little crying baby's bothering me or a parent dealing with a child in the seat's bothering me. We want to say one day you're going to have children <laughs> and one day you're going to be bothering the person next to you. And so here's a church where you can belong and you can do it with your family. Let's give it up for the little ones as they go to mama. Thank you. So just think about it. What do you think it was like when Jesus was with Peter and his family? What do you think it was like for the early disciples to have house church? Children are a part of the all. And once again, we're not saying that there's not times for children to learn children things. That's why we have a Wednesday children's program or a youth program on Fridays in the life groups. But what we are saying is here, we would rather deal with a little bit of the noise we would rather deal with a little bit of the awkwardness than to have you be separated them from them on Sunday because you're already separated Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It says, till we all come to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be what? Verse 14, come on, we should no longer be children. Do children stay children? No, no matter how much we love children, they can't stay children, right? Even though we love them being young, a lot of us parents, we say, oh, I just wish they were young again. I know some don't, but I mean, I know there's some that are as well. But the idea is they don't remain children. So what do we do in church is we say children grow up and become mighty men and women of God. Just like there are spiritual, this is the application here, there are spiritual children. When you're born again, you're born again a babe in Christ. You don't know everything, so you're supposed to grow up just as a child grows up. You're not supposed to be tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunningness and the craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up. Everybody say grow up. Look at your neighbor and say grow up. Amen. Especially the young ones. Grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Do you know that every one of us is an image bearer of, of Jesus?
We were first made in the image of God. Because of sin, we have fallen. But now through Christ, we have the restored image. So children remind us of the image of God. And we are to raise them in the ways of the Lord. We are to teach them the right way. The Bible says, speak the truth in love. Grow up in all things and to him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by, every, uh, by what every joint supplies according to the effect of working by which every part does its share. Somebody say every part. Say every part. Every part does its share. You know what I was literally saying to my children? Here's a good trick for those of you that are just starting to do this because Nancy and I have been doing this for a while. You know what I said to my children? If you do good here, I'll bless you when you get home. So you want to know how you could set up as we're making this transition and it's a little bit weird for your kids and it's a little bit bumpy? You could say to your kids, you remain quiet and obedient in church and I'll bring you to a movie theater and then you can be quiet and watch your favorite movie. Because if you're, now watch, because if you're not ready to be good in church, you're not ready for a movie. Come on. Don't you think that that would work with my kids? Or guess what? If you're good here, you're good here. We'll go to ice cream this week. See, some of you parents, I don't mean this to be rude, but some of you parents, you throw out, you throw out all the leverage that you have. You need to stop making your children think ice cream is a something they deserve. No, ice cream is a treat for good behavior. You don't deserve that. And oftentimes when I go out to ice cream, my wife will tell you there's at least one or two that aren't getting it. How many of your children could sit and watch their brothers and sisters eat ice cream without freaking out? But my kids can because I tell them, you freak out now for not getting the ice cream for the thing you did. You freak out now. Next time, you won't get it either. Next time, you won't get it either. And so you'll see them while they're not getting the ice cream, just holding back those tears, doing everything they can. But next time, they get it. Sometimes just to reward their obedience, I've had two treats in one day. Seriously, I've stopped at one place and one didn't get it, was good. I said, let's stop at Wendy's on the way home and just get a 99-cent Frosty because you guys have been so good. Parents, you're, you're, you're not using your leverage. You need to show them that every person does their part. Every person does their part. And, and what we can do as a church is show the community that we love them. Amen? Young and old, every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Now, some of you here, let's turn to Matthew quickly, chapter 19, verse 13. Some of you here may be super spiritual, and you're so spiritual that you just want to say, children, they don't belong in church. They belong in the back with the other children. And I, as a parent, don't want my children here. I want them in the back. This is my only time to get away from them. Well, what you'll find out is with that attitude, you're going to get rebuked from Jesus. Because the people, look at it, Matthew 19, 13, then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them, but the disciples rebuked them. These were actually the good guys. This is Peter. This is James. This is John. This is people who had been around for a while that thought they kind of understood it. They thought they knew what was going on. Like, hey, we get it now. We know Jesus well enough. We see the miracles. I think we can make the call here. 
We don't need children, man. This is a business seminar we're having. This is, this is corporate, you know, this is corporate, you know, work we're doing. No. And Jesus, verse 14 said, let the little children come to me. What kind of children? Big children? Children that don't cry anymore? No, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Now, can a crying baby go in the back room? Absolutely. Can a brace, best friendly mom go into a back room? Can, can you go into a bathroom and change or have a diaper? Can you do that? Absolutely on your own decision. But do you have to leave our service because your baby is crying or because a baby is moving or a child is acting as a child? Not at all. You don't have to leave. You can stay. The choice is up to you. Because what we will say is this to the parent, we're not hindering you. So guess what? Somebody may say, but pastor, but come on now. I mean, we're in the 21st century. We, we've got all of this technology. I mean, there's churches that have children's centers that are made like Disney World. It will be so much more quiet. Let me ask you a question. Just let me ask you. With all the churches are doing now the way we've always done it, in the 21st century, are our children more behaved or less behaved than they were 50 years ago when they all sat with their parents? So how's Disney World Sunday School working for you, parents? You see, I like, I like seeing fathers hold their squirmy child right now because guess what, sir? That's what you have to do when you go home. I'm glad you get to do it in church for a little bit. I'm glad because guess what? It's your job to teach them. If all we do as parents is keep handing off our responsibility to other people, is it any wonder that at the time they turn 18, they're nothing like us? We've handed over their upbringing to, to the schools. We've handed up the, 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 the upbringing of sports to the coaches. We've let the neighborhood kids teach them their morality. And then in church, somebody we don't know watches them. No, I love it because listen to me. Everybody get, get your attention. Every struggling parent right now in this service, hear me today. And, and those who aren't struggling, we love you. But for those who are struggling, everybody here, listen to me. You don't need another sermon. You need your children to sit nice and quietly in church. So welcome to your practice for the next 20 years. If you can get it down, trust me, you will have more in a long-lasting legacy than I would ever give you in a monastery, museum-like tone here in this church because you will have learned to be a father and a mother where they honor and respect you and they listen to you. And if they can do it for an hour and a half, they'll do it all day on Sunday. Then they'll do it on Monday. Come on, somebody, because you'll teach them how to obey God. Amen. And so once again, I'm not trying to make our change a gospel issue that if somebody still has children in ministry, we're going to look up our nose at them. We're so much better than you now. We've got the revelation of what it really means to have church. No, that's great. Keep doing what they're doing. And some of you may be tempted to go to those churches now. Uh, but I would simply say this to you. Trust that we're hearing from God. And, and, and check your heart. Listen. If having your kids in church is a problem, it's probably not church that's the problem. Come on. If you're thinking that this was meant to be something other than children in your lap or in your hands or teaching them the way of the Lord, 
I'm sorry I failed you as a pastor because Jesus said that's how he had church. So we can tell our children, you know, hey, close your eyes and imagine you're on a grass hill with Jesus talking. Or close your eyes and imagine you're in Palestine or Jerusalem with the disciples in the home group. Let us see it the way God sees it. Can I hear an amen? And then lastly, in Titus chapter 2, 1 and onward, we see like how people are to raise each other up, like older men with younger men, older women with younger women. And look at what it says here, verse 1. But as for you, talking to a, a man, speak the thing which are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith and patience and love. The older women, likewise, that they may be reverent in behavior, not slanderous, not given to too much wine, teachers of good things. And look at verse 4. Can we read it together? One, two, three. That they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children. And then it goes on, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. So here's, here's my heart. Generally, no matter how much the man is involved, the mother is still going to have a greater responsibility to the actual nurturing. And I do my best to help my wife nurture. Trust me, I'm home a lot, and I do a lot of wonderful things with my kids. But mostly, it's going to be mother to mother. And so listen, mothers, in the church setting, if you ever feel like, it's not coming natural to me. Just talk to a mom that it is coming natural to or easier. Or maybe you didn't see all the practice that went into it. But what we're trying to say is, can you learn? Let me ask you something. Is it possible? Because, you know, we did the music. They can move around. We do the announcements. They can get out some of their, their wiggly wobblies. Is it too much to ask that for 30 to 40 minutes they can sit next to you? No, it's not too much. But if you don't know how to do it, can you ask somebody? Why not just humble yourself and say, Older mom, how do you do this with your kids? What bribe are you giving them after church? What ice cream place are you taking them to? What belt do you use that puts the fear of God in them? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Half kid. But there shouldn't be a problem with this. This should be something that we all want to learn. Can I give you seven things to consider today? Because after this, I don't want to talk about it any, anymore in the sense of like I'm trying to explain it. We're just going to do it. So next week is going to be Father's Day. That will be an amazing time to have children together. Just another side note, uh, coming into church today, knowing that this would be a transition, I've almost wept about three or four times. Just as a pastor, when I came in in the morning, one of our men that always sets up and gets things ready was sitting next to his daughter. I can't remember I've ever seen him sitting next to his daughter. His daughter's like two years old. I literally just wanted to cry. I wanted to be like, dude, your daughter's so beautiful. It's like, because he had his daughter with him. Just don't think about Chris as a father to a two-year-old girl. I think about Chris as the guy who sets up everything, just having daughter there. Because, listen, yeah, there's some of us pastors and leaders here that are working, but the most important thing on Sunday is not us setting up a flag. The most important thing is not us sweeping the floor. The most important thing is us being with our children and our family. And so here are just some things to consider, just some things to consider. Sharing God moments together. How many of you at any time in church have felt the Holy Spirit touch your heart, do something in your life? Guess what? You can now share that with your child. Share it with them. Can I have uh, Joy come back up here as my example? Thank you. Let's bring Joy up again. Let's give it up as she comes. She's getting hoisted up here. <laughs> okay, so imagine this. Imagine this. Jesus is touching my heart. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Oh, you're reminding me of how much you love me. 
Has anything changed? Now watch what I can do. I can do what Jesus did with the little kids. I can go, oh, Jesus, now give it to her. Touch her life. May she grow up strong. All that you're doing to me, transfer it to her. May she go beyond where I've ever been before, Holy Spirit. Do you see what just happened? Somebody needs to Facebook this. We shouldn't separate our children from God moments, but share them with our children. We don't separate God moments from our children. We share them with our children. How were the people of Israel taught to pass down their traditions? Instagram? Come on. Snapchat? Facebook? No, they were taught to hand them down to their children. How are we taught to hand down God moments to our children? Now here, I want everybody to understand this. We know not everybody has a family. There's single young adults in this church. And you may be saying to yourself, Pastor, how do I share those moments? Let me ask you something. When you see me holding this child, does this give you a moment? Come on. This makes you feel like the pastor loves this baby. See, I'm sharing my family with you even as a young adult. And these are pictures in your mind. David Santiago Jr. and Ricky Hernandez and a lot of these young men here that you will have stamped in your mind. I hope, this is what my prayer is, I hope what you're seeing now will take away what you've seen of Drake, what you've seen of Little Wayne, what you've seen of whatever basketball star that's cheating on his wife, that you will see a man holds a child. Now, of course, do we go to work throughout the week and have to do things? I mean, I'm not going to take my daughter into a financial meeting and ask her how we're going to spend church money or something. But, I'm, but, but here's my point. Church, hour and a half, can we do it with our children in hand? Amen. I'll do it with the rest of the service with my baby in hand. Some may say order in the family. You see, not everybody has an ordered family. And we're not here to make that a judgment of participating in the church. But what we can do is show an ordered family. If you had your choice, let's just be honest, to have children that could sit with you for 45 minutes in a service or have children that can't, which one would you choose? Which one do you think is going to help them do better in school, being able to sit with their parents, right? So we're not saying that we're going to judge a disordered family or a child that's misbehaving. But what we are going to say is, if they come here and they're ordered, I bet you they'll learn something. I bet you our vocabulary, though most of it may go over children's head, will start to be absorbed into their mind. Let me ask you guys a question, because I know you're pretty smart. Those who founded Harvard, spoke three languages, graduated high school at around 13, 14, and those, of, uh, those inventors of that time, how do you think they went to church? How do you think the founders of Princeton went to church? How do you think our heroes of the faith, John Wesley, Jonathan Edwards, Charles Finney, D.L. Moody, how do you think they all went to church? These scholars, these brilliant men, Sir Isaac Newton, how do you think they came and sat in church? I mean, I know we make fun of the Roman Catholics here a lot, and we need to lay off them sometimes, but they still show us that children belong in the Mass. And it's us as Protestants over time that began to say, no, 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 they don't belong here, they don't belong here. And I love Sunday school, don't get me wrong, there's been no problems in our church, no problems. But we've been wanting to have some order in the family. Can I hear an amen? amen. It's going to work out. Come on. Somebody say deep talks. You know, I never planned on my children being introduced to homosexuality. 
And the moment I say that word, some of you may say, well, see, here's the problem, Pastor. We have children in the service. We may talk about things that they're not ready for. Watch this as I talk to you about child development. I'm a pastor, and I also understand a bit about child development as a father. When I said that word, this child did not understand it. My three-year-old, four-year-old Zoe back there doesn't understand it. My six-year-old Lucas doesn't even understand it. But you know who does? My eight and nine-year-old. You want to know why? is because when they were sitting in Culver's, they saw two boys kiss each other on a TV. Come on, Culver's. I've done good to keep it away from them. And sitting in Culver's, taking my kids out for ice cream, my Christian bubble was popped. I did everything I could to never let them see it. When we see it on American Idol, I, uh, American Got Talent, that's a show we watch as a family. I try to fast forward through it in the sitcoms. I fast forward or get around it or don't let them watch it. But here in Culver's, They saw it, but guess what? They were old enough to ask the question, what's wrong with that? Or, Daddy, why are they doing that? doesn't look right. It looks icky. See, now they're old enough to hear the answer. When we have them in church, we prepare them. We give them a spiritual vaccine to those things. And if it's not for them, we don't have to talk about it with them. So if they're not asking the questions or developing the mindset or the thoughts, we don't introduce it to the four-year-old and say, now let me tell you about all the crazy stuff in the world. No, but to the minds that are developing, we prepare them for what they will see. So when my child said that to me, I I didn't just say, El Diablo, the devil, don't pay attention to it. Don't even look at that. Satanas. No, no, I said, that's wrong. And the Bible says that men were meant for women. And when they do that, they do that out of sin. And then I use an example of when they sinned. And I said, people are making a choice to sin. Somebody say deep talks. Amen. Thank you. The next thing that we see is community. We all share each other's community. How many of you, just being honest, those who regularly attend Metro Praise International, are pretty amazed to see everybody with their children right now? It's like, this is pretty cool to see the place filled with children. It's like, wow, man, okay, there's Rachel's kids. Wow, there's all Lauren's kids. Wow, there, there are some families over here. There's some fa- Wow, you're not just hiding them in the back there. These are parents. These are children. And then we set the example for some that come to our church that don't have godly moms and dads. Do you think, some, you think a teenager in this church right now honors me more as a pastor now that I'm holding a child, or you think they honor me less? How many teenagers you think see a father holding a child and say, I wish I had a dad like that when I was that age? Do you know how many broken homes our teenagers come from? As a matter of fact, they're doing a fatherless series right now in June, and they're putting out videos of fatherlessness and how it affected them. When I do this right here for Oscar, and I can mention his name because he just put out a video. When I do this for Oscar or TJ, another brother that put out a video, this is what they want to grow up and be. So when they're sitting next to Curtis with his daughter there, they're not saying that daughter bothers me or her little jitteriness bothers me. No, they're saying, Curtis, I want to be like you, dude, because I'm tired of looking at people that don't, don't love their family. Because it may look cool on a video to not love your family and hang out with girls, but it's real pain in the home, isn't it? Somebody say examples. But you guys know I will make this just to say I did it now. I will finish this. The man part of me is coming out now. Like, we doing this together. Rain or shine, cry or not. Poop the pants. I'm, I'm, I'm carrying you. Somebody say examples. It's obvious, isn't it? 
What we see is what we imitate. In the Bible, that's why it starts with us imitating Jesus. God in the flesh is our example. Jesus, he's the example. And then Paul said, I'm going to follow Jesus, so now you guys follow me. And then the next one uh, after Paul, Timothy, Timothy said, I've been following Paul as he's been following Jesus, now follow me. And that literally comes all the way down to parents where in Ephesians, which we've been in Ephesians chapter 6, it says, children, obey your parents, for this is right in the Lord, that it may go good with you, that you may live a long life, for this is the first commandment with a promise. Amen. So how do we teach people to be good examples? We show good examples. Is this a good example? Look around at the families next to you and just say, thank you. You're setting a good example. Because I know I'm not the only one. Come on, look around at the families next to you and say, thank you. You're setting a good example. Somebody say fearless. How many know children teach us how to be fearless when they take on new things? I'm not saying children do it easy. Sometimes for me to get my child on a roller coaster or to do something they haven't done, they freak out. But you know what I always love about them is they still get on the plane. They still get on the coaster. They still try it. And I think for many of us here, we've lost our courage to go hard for God and try new things. And I think that families need to bring us back to that. So here's my example. Can I tell you about being fearless? If some of you don't make as much money as you want and you're afraid to start a family, and God is saying, have courage, start a family, and I'll be with you. I'm talking in marriages, okay, young people. Uh, Others of you, you say, I can't pay for college for all my kids, and I want them to have a better life. Listen to me. College isn't all it's cracked up to be. I've done college ministry. I write college for years. I've been to U of I, the big one in uh, Champaign. Those kids are messed up. If you can give your children a great home with a great mom and dad, a great life to know Jesus, them working a job to get a scholarship or to go to a less expensive college will be the least of your problems as a parent. I promise you they can be successful. Can I hear an amen? Because I want you to see this last statement right here. Even our children can be filled with the Holy Spirit because there's no junior Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that touches her is the same one that touches me. It's the same one that will touch these children. Are you having fun? Okay, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) I know it doesn't look like I'm having fun, but trust me, I'm having fun. Or does it look like I'm having fun? Which one does it look like? I'm in pain or I'm having fun? Okay, thank you. Both, yes, because I am a little bit in pain. I'm having fun. Last one, everybody say, the future is bright. See, when I look at this little one right here, I see a bright future. I see a future that goes beyond where I've ever been before. I know each one of you have dreams for your children, and that's great, but I want to challenge us to all have God-sized dreams. God-sized dreams. What's God's plan for joy? That's the future I want for her. If God wants her to be a hairstylist, awesome. God wants her to be a doctor, cool. God wants her to be a missionary, awesome. God wants her to teach, fine. My heart is whatever God has for her. So why is that important in the main service? Because from this point on, we're going to go through the scriptures with them. 
And where do you get your dreams and visions from? Do you get it from Pokemon? Do you get it from Casper the Ghost? Or do you get it from the Holy Spirit? Well, how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So how is she going to get her God kind of dreams? She's going to get them from the Holy Spirit. Amen. And she'll have a bright future. Because why do you think children most of the time have these nightmares? It's something scary that they saw. And you're trying to tell them, no, it's not really that scary. It's not really that big of a deal. But how about we start teaching them the Word of God at this young of an age so when they're two or three years old, instead of having nightmares, they're having God kind of dreams and visions about heaven, living out their purpose, changing the world. Amen? Oh, y'all gave me a weak amen on that one. Amen. Adam, would you come, please? The bottom line is children are not the church of tomorrow, but they're the church of today. So as we get ready to close, we're going to do something really fun today. You all ready for this? To launch off this new season of family focus in our church, we're going to end taking communion together. And how we're going to do that is with our families. And if you don't have kids, that's cool. Take it with your husband or wife. You're not married, take it with your friends. Life group leaders with your Elevate teams or children's ministry teams, you guys can do that here. Single parents, you guys can get in teams of groups. It doesn't matter. But here's what I want us to do from this point forward is to make a commitment in communion, in community, to say we're going to be a church that loves families. Now, look around. Did anybody explode? Did any mom lose her mind? Okay, anybody, anybody die here? Anybody get more gray hair or anything? No, you made it through your first integrated family church service. Give yourself a hand clap, amen. Go back to mama. Woo, or just stay right here. You're fine. You want to stay with daddy? Okay, you stay here. Oh, I think communion represents the union we have with Jesus. Thank you, bud. Let's give it up for Bethany Boopster, my oldest. So here's what we're going to do to kick off the new season. If someone wasn't here today and they come back next week and they're like, what is going on? Now you can explain it to them. But I want us to have communion in closing. And I want us to really believe God that we can do more together than we would do separate. And as we meet, what, six days from now at, Bo at the church to go out to Bodequa Fest, that we'll show the community we love their families too. And I know some of you are scared to go out there. Some of you are like Bodinkin, you're Puerto Rican, you're scared. You're like, I don't even go out there. If this gringo is going out there with white, my white kids, you better get your Latino behind out there. You better, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to revoke your Latino card. I'm going to revoke it. I'm going to, this, this gringo, take it back. Because you know why? Because we're going to be safe. We're going to be on the north and California side. And all of my children, all of my children will be out there, all of them. And I'll witness with them and love the community. It'll be my 13th one, 13th Boricua Fest. How many will love the Puerto Rican community? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So here's what we're going to do. It's going to be a little bit different today, and then we'll jump back into what we would call a normal service. I'm going to pray and bless and dismiss you. And ask that you then take communion. When you're done, you are dismissed on your own time. And then we will have prayer workers as they get done with communion to pray for you if you have any special needs today. So altar workers, would you guys, uh, ushers, please start handing out the communion. And then I'll pray in just a moment. Thank you, sir.
The body of Jesus, those who maybe have never taken communion with your family, the wafer represents the body of Jesus, so you'll want to explain that to your children or to your husband or wife. And then the grape juice represents the blood of Jesus. Okay? Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for the noise, for the, the community. And Lord, we pray that over the next few months that our children begin to love what we love. And that sitting here with us will become as natural to them as sitting with, uh, with us on the couch watching a ball game or going to a movie theater. And that God's church won't be a museum, but church will be a place where families are changed, lives are changed, and we all come to love and know you more. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Take communion, and then you are dismissed. God bless you. We'll see you at Life Groups. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for coming, and Adam's going to lead us in worship. And I'm seated in heavenly places. The Spirit of God embraces. Home of sin, He races inside of me. And I'm blessed with spiritual blessings. His identity I'm expressing. His word I'm professing to those around me. I've never been closer to heaven than I am right now. I've never been closer to heaven than I am right now. And I'm seated. And I'm seated in heavenly places. Spirit of God embraces. Home of sin, He races inside of me. I'm receiving more than I imagined. Experiencing His compassion. In His image, we were fashioned a new humanity. I never been closer to heaven than I am right now, and I never been closer to heaven than I am right now. to heaven than I am right now. Oh, and I have never been closer to heaven than I am right now. Cause heaven is coming through me. He's touching the world around me. 